Blog Talk Radio. the PPJ Gazette Online. This is the TS Radio Network. Our show tonight is devoted to our, our favorite topic, and that's guardianship and the abuses thereof. Um, we, we've got a lot going on. This week has just been gone gangbusters. Uh, since we got syndicated, we are on all of these streaming platforms. Our audience has grown exponentially. Um, we're reaching out. We're also in England and Australia. And we were listed as the top podcast in Australia. I'm quite proud of that. But anyway, too bad we can't do that here. (laughs) Maybe we will. You never know. But like I say, there has been so much going on. And the last couple of weeks we've missed Reverend Ralph, and we've got him with us tonight. So, Reverend, you want to update us on what's going on in your neck of the woods? I'd love to. Uh, Last week, I had the pleasure of speaking with a Detective Shade, S-H-A-D-E, and he is an investigator with the Montgomery County District Attorney's Office in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, the famous Norristown Courthouse that has been the object of uh, a major Facebook um, site called Shenanigans of the Montgomery County Courthouse for many, many years. And I spoke with Detective Shade about a situation of corruption that I have become aware of for the last almost year and a half, and it involves a very much loved person of mine. And I I brought to him, we had a very nice hour and a half meeting, and I brought with me a lot of documents and a narrative and so forth and people's names and so forth, of how they have uh, become basically a nice racket up in Norristown, the courthouse, and basically that involves corrupt judges, corrupt guardians, corrupt psychologists, and corrupt lawyers. And anybody that has uh, dealt with the Orphans Court up in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, has probably been aware of some of those people involved such as the judges, such as Gail Weilheimer, uh, Lois Murphy, former Judge Ott, and maybe a few others. And unfortunately, Gail Weilheimer has been the judge of a case of this very much-loved person. And I have seen firsthand of the corruption and the uh, favoritism that has been going on, which involves Uh, a corrupt judge that picks a corrupt lawyer who they know will basically uh, kick back money to people of this gang. And it basically starts off with a corrupt psychologist who I have explained before that uses his so-called evaluation to decide that somebody is uh, incapacitated. And then the 
the scam begins with the corrupt lawyers and the corrupt guardians that are picked and all these people and their staff and the lawyers that they hire, the guardians, uh, the lawyers that the guardians hire, all of the ex- at the expense of this poor victim that's been declared incapacitated. And as I've mentioned on the show before, in Pennsylvania, there are no standards or requirements that determine what an evaluation must be, such as how long it must be, how many questions are asked, uh, whether or not it's ever a videotape to prove how the person did or did not answer questions. So all of it is just part of a scam and the end result is to get that person's bank account and to get their house to sell for more money. So, May I ask a question? Sure, sure. Uh, When you say there's no standard set, there's no set of rules for how this must be conducted, if there's no rules, how could they possibly come to the conclusion that somebody's incompetent if you don't have any guidelines? That's a very good question, Marty. That is. (laughs) The problem is yeah. is the fact that they use their title. The psychologists use their title of Ph.D. and supposedly their work history of dealing with people with memory issues. And basically they use that in court to say that they are qualified to be able to say with their evaluation that they used that they determined the person was 100% incapacitated. And it's always 100% to my knowledge because – that way, the person can be under the control of the corrupt lawyer that the court picked for this person and also the corrupt guardian and the people that they hire to be at their, on their so-called staff. So basically, it's, it's, about, it's like a magician where the hand is quicker than the eye and the psychologist make the impression that they know what they're doing when they determine somebody is incapacitated. But in Pennsylvania, depending on the county, uh, in Montgomery County, they are not required, the judge is not required to bring the person in the court, the victim, to speak on their own behalf. Now, in Chester County, I've heard that a judge requires that to actually meet the person. So basically... In the course of this very much loved person, they basically have been railroaded into uh, getting, becoming under the control of these corrupt lawyers and the corrupt guardians and so forth. Now, the first uh, guardian that was um, assigned uh, was a person by the name of Dwayne Logie, and this is somebody that has not has that does not have a very good reputation based on the other people that I have talked to who had this person. I would second that. I have also talked to other people that I have not heard anything positive about him. And then, unfortunately, the lawyer that was picked for this loved person at the very beginning by the court, his name is David Jaskowiak, who also uh, has Mm. a very poor reputation and involved with basically stealing people's money and doing many underhanded things to these victims. I I dealt with him firsthand, and you were correct by saying that also. Thank you. So this is something where if the listeners have had these guardians or have had these lawyers and another person that is routinely hired to be on the staff of these corrupt guardians – her name is Deb Clock, who 
this Deb Clark, I still don't, I still haven't found out what she does with this loved person, except send in billing hours uh, just to get the money in which the case to kick back to the other people that had hired this person. So you, you have a situation where this group of people have been working together, which is called a racket, and what they do is called racketeering, and what their crime is, it falls under a federal crime called RICO, R-I-C-O. So basically, one of the things that these guardians have done is blame me for any problem that comes up when, in fact, I'm the one that has been discovering all these problems that the person's lawyer and the guardian, like Dwayne Logie, who I was able to get fired five months ago, and unfortunately, the guardian, the newest guardian, her name is Pam Blummer, she was recommended to my lawyer uh, by David Jaskowiak. So you can see where there's a little circle going on here. And this Pam Blummer, as soon as she was hired, she hired her husband, who is good friends with David Jaskowiak. And working together, they are trying to basically eliminate any of my visiting time with this loved person. So as we have seen before and has been documented, one of the first rules with these corrupt guardians is isolate the person from their family and their loved ones and their spouses. So mm -hmm. the pattern is like a, a playbook that these corrupt guardians do nationwide. Uh, yes. You know, isolate, medicate, then steal the estate, which is another thing they're trying to do. Uh, uh, Jaskowiak and uh, Blummers and so forth, which is trying to sell the house of this person without even asking the person what they want. Uh, now, in Pennsylvania, a law was recent, a bill was recently proposed, SB 1333 by two state senators, Haywood and Baker. And one of the problems is that it is so general, it's no better than basically what's in place now. And one of the problems with this SB 1333 is the fact that it leaves it up to the lawyer to decide, uh, the lawyer of the person, it leaves it up to the lawyer to decide if they want to uh, defend this person or do what this person wants. And this seems to be the uh, common theme of all these corrupt guardians and corrupt lawyers is they never ask the person what they want. It's they just do what is in their own best interest. So uh, this is something where I've gone through uh, and I have learned what other people have gone through with such pain for the last year and a half. So now I'm facing basically uh, losing any visiting time with this loved person and also selling the house uh, that this person does not want to sell. Uh, so basically my lawyer has appealed uh, the case, the decision by this judge, Gail Weilheimer, who she was the one who last December put me in prison for a week because on my news website, protectmyparents.us, I expose the scam based on what information I have learned. Most specifically was the fact that during the petition hearing back in June of last year, 
That is when I uh, basically dissected the psychologist, George Ladakis, and his made-up evaluation that claimed this person was 100% incapacitated. And what was striking to me was, and it's in the court transcript, what was striking to me was after I got this Ladakis to admit that basically he had no proof that this person was incapacitated based on his made-up evaluation, both Weilheimer, the lawyer David Jeskowiak for this person, and the relative who originally filed the petition, their lawyer, all sat there and never said a word. Now, you would think they would say, wait a minute, especially Gail Weilheimer, you would think she would say, wait a minute, you mean we're using evaluations that have never proven that they have any accuracy? So that proves the corruption when they sat there, probably with their mouths hanging open, that what do we do now? All these people that have been falsely accused and their money drained and their lives destroyed, none of those people ever had a real evaluation. So this is basically why I'm the uh, target with the bullseye on me. So yeah, um, that before is- I forget, be, before I uh, uh, leave or before I uh, sign off or you know continue, I want to give the people. <laughs> uh, I want to give the people Detective Shade, who is the detective I talked to last week at the Montgomery County District Attorney's Office. I want to give out his phone number. So if anybody has been a victim of the Montgomery County Orphans Court and those judges and those guardians. Uh, and the lawyers and so forth, and probably others too, many, many others, I want them to contact Detective Shade and set up an appointment with him to discuss their particular situation. And again, this is something where a major case could be uh, put together, so maybe we'll get rid of these corrupt judges and corrupt lawyers in Montgomery County Courthouse. And his phone number is 610-278-3377. And his name is Shade, S-H-A-D-E, Detective. So anybody nationwide, find out if you have this evaluation that is used to determine incapacitation, find out. What is the proof that that evaluation has any accuracy? And if it doesn't, then you might as well just flip a coin. Heads, they're incapacitated. Tails, they're not. So thank you, Marty, for giving me that chance to give some information out. Well, we need to get as much out as we can. Go ahead. Absolutely. Well, I would like to add a couple names to the list of the racketeers. We uh, need to add Diane Zabowski, Attorney Diane Zabowski, and you can uh, read all about her at the Facebook page, Shenanigans in the Montgomery County Facebook. And there was a a very, very alarming um, PowerPoint that was done by Mr. Shenanigans showing the vast corruption that Diane Zabowski did and the abuse of a Holocaust survivor. And it's just... It's horrendous what she did with along with Judge Ott, what they did to this man. It's it's just awful. And Mr. Shenanigans 
has had contact. This man has since passed away in his guardianship and had contact with this man. There was a letter that was written before they locked him up in his dementia ward. He did not want to be there. And all the court records are in that PowerPoint there. And Elko, if you just Google Elko and Diane Zabowski, you will be able to watch that PowerPoint complete with court records. So this is like fact check us, people, fact check us. Wow. Right there. It's got the documents. So Diane Zabowski is a big public enemy, number one. Another one, another guardian is, is it Doshi Kalpana or Kalpana Doshi, something like however her, her name is? There's an Aaron McDevitt and also Carl Pryor. Those are some people, if you have had any interactions with those other names, they are racketeering with the rest of these people, in our opinion. And you should definitely call this detective. I also would like to remind everybody Sometimes they say that there is a statute of limitations. There is no statute of limitations on murder. And if you believe that some of these things that were done to your loved one caused their death, that's called murder. And there is no statute of limitations. So even if this happened 10, 15, 20 years ago, you still need to call that phone number because you need justice. You know, another thing, too. Two things yep. here. Um, I'm getting some messages from people about power of attorney. If you have that power of attorney is meaningless, and I think every law firm yeah. that is advertising, you know, uh, do estate planning and avoid conservatorship and guardianship, and you know, power of attorney and all that. The miniature and probate, the probate examiner discards every bit of that as ir- irrelevant and gives all of that power to the guardian and the attorney for the guardian. And the other thing is, even if you got a power of attorney that hasn't been dismissed or revoked in any way for medical services you've got to have a medical power of attorney Uh, a standard power Mm -hmm. of attorney does not cover this so be sure if you get one set up that the there is a medical power of attorney so someone with your best interest at heart can help dictate what happens to you should you become you know incapacitated for real or you know suffer serious illness Uh, Those are things you need to take care of. And personally, I believe every law firm that is selling this stuff needs to be brought up on charges of fraud because they know damn well these papers aren't worth the ink that they're written on. It just, they are not, they're of use, no use. And the other thing, the last thing I want to bring up is in every state, it is standard procedure that when the individual passes away, all guardianship activity ends it ends immediately. It's just like in nursing homes. Uh, I'm going to use Minnesota as an example. You can file charges against a nursing home for abuse, neglect, and everything else, but the state's position is if that person dies, the case dies too. They can't be held accountable. So, I mean, they've, they've created all these loopholes and outs and everything else for themselves, but this is what we're up against. We are up a level of corruption that is just unbelievable. It's hard for people who haven't been involved in it, haven't been exposed to it, to believe that it actually is happening the way it is. And it's a rude awakening when it lands on their doorstep. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 Marty, it, this is, yeah, this is Reverend Ralph. Uh, yes, yeah. you, you brought up several good points. And, again, one of the things uh, that I did not touch on were these nursing homes who not only get state money 
uh, through Medicaid, I believe it is, uh, for every uh-huh. person that you have there. But the fact that uh, these nursing homes, they really, I, I've seen what goes on there, and it, it's disgusting. And basically, they're just animal shelters. I mean, that's the only thing you can say that yeah. they are. They're just a place to warehouse people because yes. their families are not able to take care of them, maybe. But the fact that they are still human beings and they deserve uh, the rights of a human being, uh, I, I have found it appalling uh, on the callous attitude of these people that work at these nursing homes. Uh, what's interesting mm-hmm. is this Pam Blummer, her husband uh, that she hired uh, to be the guardian of person of my loved person, uh, he said to my lawyer and me a couple of weeks ago at lunch that a that this loved person has no more rights than a dog, an exact quote, that that person oh has no more rights than a dog. And that's basically how they're treating this person, just they have right. a bank account, so why not take it? Now, I also want to point right. out that how serious what I have done in Pennsylvania exposing the fact that these evaluations are basically worthless is the fact that all of the lawyers and the law firms that do legal guardianships in Pennsylvania, they, are, they use these evaluations as just a checkoff list, of paper A, paper B, paper C, and they use those evaluations without ever asking the psychologist, what is the accuracy of your evaluation? So in other words, all those, I guess, maybe a 1,000 or so lawyers and law firms in Pennsylvania that do legal guardianships and have sent people to their financial doom and to rot in these nursing homes, they should be sued for not doing their due diligence of simply asking a very basic question of these psychologists. What is the accuracy of your evaluation? So I would like to see those law firms get sued and put out of business because the money that was denied the heirs and the money that was denied those people and their lives that became worthless in these nursing homes after they got drugged there, they are just as guilty as these corrupt lawyers and judges and guardians. I agree. I agree. That oh, is yeah. just... Uh... Yeah, I'm having trouble with my mic here tonight. Um, and that's one of the things, too. It's, it's harsh enough that they subject people to this process to begin with, but then to, to stash them into one of these warehouses and know that they're being neglected and mistreated and abused and just roll on like it's a wonderful day. I don't know how you live with yourself personally. But this is being exposed all over the country. It, that movie off of Netflix called I Care A Lot did a lot to open people's eyes. And, of course, they screamed about it. You need to take it down, especially because of the last scene. And you're, you're, you're promoting violence. No, guardianship. These illegal guardianships are promoting violence. And then the other was the Britney Spears case. This really brought it home. This was such a high-profile case. And when people saw what had been done to this girl... And somebody, you know, people can just really be cold-hearted and just, I don't know, well, look what she did for a living. Well, how would you know what she did for a living if you weren't watching it? Um, you know, it just, it's stupid remarks like that. Uh, very callous, vicious many times. 
And like I say, till this lands on your doorstep, you need to keep your mouth shut. Because if you haven't got something good to say, don't say anything. Uh, what these families have endured, these elderly people have endured, most of them dying as a result of what's been done to them. And a lot of it is just the shock and trauma of being separated from everything and everyone they know. Family, friends, religious, and that's another thing, churches. I'm so fed up with this bunch, I can't stand it. I have on numerous cases contacted the churches that the victim was associated with many times for decades and said, this person has been kidnapped under this phony guardianship scam, and they need your support. They need to know you're there. Oh, oh, we can't do that. That's political. No, that's not political. That's humanitarian. No, we can't. Yeah. We'll lose our tax-exempt status. Yeah, we'll stick that in your Bible and see if the sun shines. Um, it just, I, I just don't get it. Where are these churches? They should be falling out of the doors trying to get this stopped. This is just terrible. But we have a strange mindset in this country that if it's only wrong if somebody over there does it, crime, and then it's terrorism, then it's this. And this is domestic terrorism. What is being done to these people is domestic terrorism. And they make continual terroristic threats towards these people to keep them under control. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But you have to stop and think, what if somebody walked in your door right now, snatched you out of your home, away from your family, and stuck you in one of these warehouses and said, your family can't see you, your friends can't see you, you can't have a phone, you can't have a TV, you can't even have a toothbrush? What do you think would happen to you? And we know that for elderly people, isolation is one of the most damaging things there is. It is the it, it does terrible things to them psychologically. This is intentional. They know exactly what this does to the elderly person, and uh, it's just uh, I I don't know I do, I just can't. It makes me sick to even talk about this. Um, Kazi, we need to get to you because we got Chris online here waiting to come on from Australia. But I want you to report on your um, Wisconsin panel that you were just on. All right, we're going to get a little bit positive here. So I was a guest speaker at the, they had a social worker convention up at the Wilderness in Wisconsin Dells, and I was invited to be a panel. I was invited about six or seven months ago. So I, I knew for a while that it was coming up, and it wasn't just, you know, at the last minute. And I knew that I was going to be sitting at a table with the head of Adult Protective Services in Wisconsin and elder law attorneys. So, and it was all these social workers. So I was feeling like I was going into enemy territory. And it, I mean, why wouldn't I feel? But you want to know, Marty, it was such a positive experience. In Wisconsin, so there's a basic, there's some things that I learned. The number one thing that is the job of the guardian and the social worker is that they need to find out what does the person want done? It is not against the law to make a bad decision. It's not. Like Britney Spears, if she wanted to, you know, blow her money, that was her decision to do. So it's not against the law to make bad decisions. And 
people putting people in guardian oh they're gonna blow their money you know in these that's it's their money to blow that's their decision yeah. so i really thought that really hit home because when i thought about harvey never once did he recovered from that stroke and they're like well the process already started we have to finish it and this is uh diane zabowski at montgomery county pennsylvania and the thing is nobody ever asked him in that courtroom harvey what do you want and he would have said i want you all to go away he wanted to go live his yeah. life but they, he was in a trap, and no one ever asked him what he wanted. And in Wisconsin, that's what they were training. They weren't, they weren't saying that these things weren't happening. And as we've done these shows for almost four years now, we've had a few Wisconsin stories, but the vast majority are usually Michigan, Pennsylvania, Florida, Nevada, Texas. That is the vast yep. majority, and Australia. Those are the vast majority of where we're hearing these stories. So they were talking about a national POA form, and they're like, yeah, well, Wisconsin doesn't go with the national forms. And I was like, yes. So anyway, why should they? And this lawyer that I was sitting next to, so the state of Wisconsin actually hires an attorney, and she's a one-woman show. She will never represent anybody, but she will give you legal advice. And she talked about, you know what, they have gotten some bad calls. And the adult protective service woman, she was so sweet. And she actually wants to not have these things done. And she even talked about prosecuting a corporate guardian who robbed $5 million from from their ward and abused the award. And they filed charges and... Put that per, put that guardian in jail. I was clapping. I was the only one clapping. I think everyone else was like, "Oh," but <laughs> I definitely feel that I went in and when I started talking about some of the things, I think I got they were probably snickering at, oh, "Okay, here's tin foil hat." But I really believe Marty. When I was done mm-hmm. with being part of the panel, everyone believed. Everyone believed it because even some of the, the social workers were raising their hands talking about some similar situations. It's not widespread, but what Wisconsin does different than other states is there's a there's a um like a three-way legislation where ev- there's like the checks and balances go on three different groups instead of like most states are like two. And the other thing, and this was key, when what when I called the police department or adult protective services in the state of Pennsylvania to report anything, they would say, oh, it's a court issue. And I did call that helpline, and I said when when they were making this big deal, they got some grant money in Pennsylvania, and they, you know, have this elder abuse hotline. So I called the hotline, and I asked them, if the ward themselves called this hotline and told you that they were in an abusive guardianship and they wanted help, would you – help them or tell them it's a court issue you can't help them they couldn't answer that question for me but see that i think might be the difference based on sitting on in this presentation for about two and a half hours in wisconsin it's criminal and the adult protective services so the things that i described she's like these are criminal these are criminal things it's not a court issue when a crime is being perpetrated whether it involves the court or not the state, so I would be interested to know what the laws are in Michigan and Florida and Nevada and Texas mm-hmm. if wow. if 
law enforcement can't actually go and investigate these things and if Adult Protective Services can't actually investigate guardianship because it's a court issue. So in Wisconsin, they can go investigate these things because even though it's a court issue, it's a crime, and they will investigate it. So there is some protections that a, some, a bad guardian doesn't have in Wisconsin that they have in, I know, in Pennsylvania. There's a, there's a layer of protection for them to commit these crimes. And this is probably why we know so many. I probably know about 500 cases in the state of Pennsylvania, and I don't even live there. I live in wow. Wisconsin. I know about six cases in Wisconsin. I live right. in Wisconsin. If it was widespread, I should know a 1,000 cases. But anyway, when I talked about that you can, that the guardian will vote for the ward, oh, my goodness. The, yeah. the spidey senses that went up with the state attorney, she was like, oh, my gosh. And she said, I said, I don't know what the rules are in Wisconsin, but in Pennsylvania, the, the, guard, the guardian votes for the ward. The ward has the right to vote. And she said that is the same. She was taking notes and everything, and she said, oh, my gosh, that's the same thing in Wisconsin. They don't take voting rights away, even if they put someone right. in guardianship. And immediately went into training with the social workers. If you see anything like this, you call the election board, like and there's an election commission, and you call and you report that. But things yep. were taken serious. Some of the things that were said were taken serious in that room. We were, they have like these breakout groups. We were the most popular breakout group and they couldn't even let anybody into our room that wanted, I would say, then there was people standing in the back that didn't even have seats. We had about 70 people in the, our group. And I mean, I don't know how many social workers are in the state of Wisconsin, but 70 people, 70 social workers is a big deal. They had, there was some different heads of the counties of different APS. There was lawyers and there was tons of social workers. And Marty, I want to tell you twice, I was asked, could you tell me the name of that podcast again? And <laughs> yeah. so ho hopefully with, with being on these new platforms that just all launched, what, a, like a week ago? We we're right. already seeing that we're getting a few more, a few more new listeners and we're really excited that our message is getting out there. But I was just, I left really feeling good. I left feeling that in Wisconsin, they cared. They were horrified. They were horrified. And Reverend Ralph, if you would have sat and told your story, they would be horrified. The, the five milligrams of halidol that was given to Harvey, the chemical restraint, horrified horrified that that was being done and nobody cares and I have all the court records no. to back up what I'm saying the fact that Diane Zabowski and to Deb Clock under oath I have the court records and here's the question she said um, the Wittens are really upset that Harvey doesn't have his eyeglasses hearing aids or dentures but you're but you're dealing with the more important things. And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's right. And Judge Dot's sitting there, yeah, yeah, she's dealing with the more important things. What's the more important things? Robbing the money? Because I want to know yeah. what's more important um, than your eyes, your hearing, and your teeth. I, I'm, waiting, yeah. I'm waiting for that answer. I, I don't know what's more important. Your bank account? Well, is that what yeah. it is? I'm still, yeah. I, you know, um, I should have shenanigans post that court document for me so everyone can yes. see it because I, I, I go back to that one a lot. But anyway, yeah. 
they were horrified. When I told the story of what was going on, they were horrified. And are you ready for this, Marty? So I guess there's some grants that the federal government gave out, and the DOJ, which stands for the Department of Justice in Wisconsin, got a grant to do something like um, against elder abuse, and they're going to be starting a – like an anti-elder abuse task force, and I was asked if I would be want to participate in it. Yay! Oh my God! Yeah, because you know know what they're going to do immediately is is uh, they've been successful so far. The success is dwindling, but in convincing the public, the only reason people are in guardianship and in these warehouses called nursing homes is because their family doesn't want to take care of them. And nothing could be further from the truth. People are fighting tooth and nail to keep mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whoever it is, out of the clutches of these people. But, see, they've done an excellent job of brainwashing them, conditioning them to, you know, well, it's the family was mistreating them in what way? Well, what evidence do you have? Well, I don't have to have any evidence. I just said so. And that's what you have to understand about probate. This is not a court of law that does not abide by the common law. It is not subject to the Constitution or your rights. And don't refer to people as persons. That is a legal term, meaning a corporate entity. Um, Always refer to them as the living, breathing human being, the living, breathing man or woman. But do not refer to them as because you're stepping into a trap there. And I just found this out here a while back speaking to an attorney to stop using that word. Um, because you, you've put yourself in a position to be exploited when you do. Uh, it just, uh, going back to that voter thing, and see, and that's what I ferreted out here a couple of years ago. I kept seeing right. these cases, cons, where they were left with the right to vote. They took everything else from yeah. them uh, that you can vote. I thought, well, that's weird. Well, I found out when they complain about um, uh, dead people voting, you know, it, this is part yeah. of the deal. They not only get people that are in guardianship and the guardian votes for them, they're selling that vote. See, you have to understand that they're selling that vote and they go to nursing homes and they get the names of anyone who has died, anyone who's under guardianship there, and they bundle all those names and then they sell them. These attorneys sell those names to the various political parties and they cast the votes on behalf of those people who have been just absolutely laid waste to. And it's called bundling, and it's quite a lucrative business, as I understand it, but this is what they're doing. This is such a racket on so many levels, and this is happening right under the noses of all of our state and federal legislators, our governors, the president, whomever. It just it, I remember I wrote the Trump administration about this, and could they please – Take a look at this. And I basically was told they had more important things to deal with. Um, they, they couldn't be bothered with this. And um, to go to your state's attorney general, been there, done that. And um, and they're just like the federal DOJ, uh, the state's attorney general says the same thing. You're operating under the delusion that we're here to protect you, and we're not. We're here to protect the government from you. Okay, I guess I got that message. Uh, well, okay. Any other news on that yeah. front? Because I wanted to get well, Chris on. I just, I just felt it was a really positive message. I let all the social workers know this is a cancer that is spreading across the country, and that they are the front lines to stop it. Yep. And I genuinely believe 
that the people sitting in that room were horrified and do not partake or approve of this behavior and they want to be wow. part of the solution. And I yeah. was shocked. I was shocked because I was terrified to go in that room. I'm like, Oh my gosh, yeah. you're going to guardianize me because I know too much what's going to happen. <laughs> and I real I was really scared, you know, and it, yeah. it's not, you know, I have legal abuse syndrome. So it flare, this will flare up my legal abuse syndrome. And so yeah. to go in and, and feel that you were in a safe place is, is yeah. so huge. So huge for yes. everything that I've been through in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. Exactly. All right. Exactly. But now oh. I think Chris has some more good news too. Should we play her commercial first, Marty? Because it's yeah, so good. We can do that. Let me see where. Okay. This is it here. Anyone charged yeah. with a criminal matter has the right to have their case heard before a judge or judicial officer of the court is entitled to a fair and public hearing by a competent, independent and impartial court. Have strict court rules enforced such as the right of reply, rules of evidence, and be found innocent or guilty, beyond reasonable doubt. Yet, our most vulnerable can have their rights, assets, and decision-making rights removed by a public servant of the state, not a judge, in a tribunal setting that can ignore evidence and facts and determine matters as they see fit and conclude matters based on probabilities alone. Are you scared yet? You should be. Uh, and our next guest here is all the way from Australia, Chris, who we work closely with, and she heads up the Australian Association Against abusive guardianships. Uh, Chris, welcome to the show. Welcome, guys. Hi, Cos. Hello. Hi, Chris. Ralph. How are you all? <laughs> How Hello. are you? It's morning here, so it's our morning, and wow, what a show. And I do apologize on behalf of Asgar um, about last week. It, it, you're, we, we, we were trying to sort of call in, but we had a conference in Tasmania, and we met victims of guardianship abuse there as well. What a week, guys. We, it must be some type of parallel universe because I too, Cos, attended a two-day, they call it a council here, um, organised by the tribunal members, public trustees and public guardians in Australia. And um, wow. I too felt, it was, I too felt I was going to be guardianised. I walked in. And the main players all looked at me. They knew who I was. And um, I could see almost like, oh, yeah, and I could feel that energy. You know when you feel that energy like, okay, we have the enemy, we have the wolf that's come in. And I was in there and, um, wow, I mean, we're in trouble, guys. We really, really are the double talk, you know. You know, I sat there for one day. I couldn't attend the, the second day. I had to attend that online because I had some um, other matters that I had to deal with. But I walked in there and it's exactly like what Cos said. You know, I I do believe there are people that actually believe they're doing the right thing. There's a level of, I I just, I mean, you're watching, you know, for example, it's two days. So they have this two-day fest of... um, you know, the tribunal members and this networking, and it was really, really apparent 
how tribunal heads, public trustees, public guardians, all in the same room, I sat in the corner and just watched. And I watched them all talking to each other, you know, disgusting, laughing, eating, and that was fine, nothing there. And I thought, oh, my God, it's one and the same. There is no separation here. This is one big group, okay? And they all have different titles. They all work for these different so-called departments, but they're all sister departments. And guess who financed this conference? It was financed by the Australian government, the Attorney General's mm-hmm. Office. The cause and the only cause of guardianship and administration abuse in this country. They all know what's going on. I'm sick to death of the Attorney General at the federal level and at the state level acting like, oh, sorry, we don't know what's going on. Oh, these, these, we've just created these departments. They run independent from us. No, they don't. You've, you've created these departments to run independently so there's no fallback on the government and you've allowed these three departments to act in any way they see fit. They are killing people. They are abusing our most vulnerable, young and old. They are starving them. They are neglecting them. They are isolating them. Everyone knows what's going on. But when you sit in these conferences, you would think it's a gaslighting fest that there's no abuse going on, that the only abusers are family, partners and, and terrible parents who are harming their children all along. And I'm sitting there watching absolutely, you know, just in shock. Now, there were, there were two members that attended, which I thought were brilliant. One was um, an emirate, a professor of law, and he basically called out these tribunals for the fraud that they are, pointed out that they don't even give reasons for decisions and he was really concerned. So that was really good. It was really an eye-opener. And there was another professor, uh, Professor Ibrahim, and he um, he spoke about the restrictive practices and the nursing homes, similar to what Reverend Ralph was talking about in regards to they're drugging people. They have no say in the medication. They are denied due process, they're ignored, they're abused and, 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 and that was refreshing to hear but you could almost feel this sort of, you know, in, in, in the auditorium you could feel that negativity, oh no we're not, oh, we're not doing it. I don't know, I just, I sat there really, really interested and fascinated because I, I knew a few of the members in there, I saw them and I thought when you look at them they just look like Ordinary, nice people, you know, chatting, talking, networking, doing what they do. But I thought, do you believe you're saving anyone? Do you really believe you're doing anything? And I realised in that network, everyone has a job, but they don't really know, or they're ignoring what the next person does. So there were people in their social workers, they're the spotters. They're the ones that find the victims or, you know, the, the many of the other groups that were there. Then you had the tribunal members who make the orders and they pass that order and then it's the guardians. Then you have the guardians and the trustees who enforce a lot of this. And then you have their underlings, you know, the, the, those that work for them that actually, you know, do. And I, I actually sat there and I thought, do you actually know 
what's going on. It's like factory. It's like, you know, you know, a product is put on, you know, the, the, the belt and it just goes on and on and on. And I, I just thought, I was just perplexed at how guardianship abuse, we all know what's going on. We know that people are found, you know, spotted in hospitals or vulnerable settings and then we see them targeted quickly, their rights are removed, how quick that process is, how they're drugged, how they're isolated, and they're talking about restrictive practices as if it's a no-no, this is not something we condone. Yet we know what's happening. We know people are being drugged. We have a list of people being drugged. We have a list of people being isolated. And I'm in a conference and they're saying, oh no, that's a crime. That's not something we do. And I just I just had a cup of coffee. I left at one stage and think, am I listening? Am I, am I, am I, have I missed something? And I just realised that there's this double talk. They say one thing in a meeting, but they're doing something completely different. This is what they're selling to the public. Oh, no, it's the family. It's the parents. It's the children. It's the husband and wife. We're the saviours. We are the ones you can trust. We're the ones that will save you. And it's just not the reality. It is not what we're seeing. And, you know, I, um, I just shook my head and I just thought, my husband, by the way, apparently my kids and my husband, they had a bet how long I'd be guardianised. Um, 11 o'clock was the average time. I think 1 o'clock they thought Christine will be arrested. Um, <laughs> in this conference, I started laughing. I yeah. thought to my husband, oh, what's going on? We, um, I just think they're really stepping up the whole process. I really believe there is, because now there's this pushback, Marty, and congratulations, you know, your, your Spotify being, you know, syndicated, all of this, this. The more people that are aware of your show, Marty, the more people that know what's going on, the better, because if it wasn't for you, Marty, I really and many of us would still be in the wilderness wondering what is going on. And it's so, so good to see, you know, that you're just um, that your show is is, is spreading. It, it's really, and I yeah. think actually it's having a not a negative back feed. No, it's not negative, but I think they're really ramping it up now. I really do. Yeah. Well, you pointed out something, Chris, I and do. I heard it when when Kaz spoke. Uh, about going into this meeting and the same thing because we know how unethical these people are that nothing is off limits they will do anything to keep the status quo we know these people have no morals no integrity no empathy no sympathy no character of any kind that you would want to emulate and to walk into you know the proverbial lion's den yeah. you have and your family had cause to be concerned uh, because yes anything could happen and it would all happen so swiftly that by the time anybody figured out what happened to you you'd be buried in that system they'd never find you and it takes it takes a lot to to walk into the middle of that and know that everybody in that room is looking at you as though you are the enemy and in a sense you are Mm -hmm. uh, because you are exposing everything they are doing uh, and that's why should anybody be afraid of attending a meeting, for God's sake? Uh, but they are, and a lot of people will not. They will not go to anything. 
because they're afraid of what might happen to them while they're there. If that doesn't speak to the level of, I don't know, evilness. I was worried. I was worried eating yeah. the food. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to eat anything. I wasn't. It was funny. I had a laugh with Genevieve. Genevieve. Do not eat the food. Do not drink the water. And it was funny. <laughs> I stepped out, slipped back in, and I had my glass there, and I was just looking at the glass, and I thought, I'm not drinking that. I'm not drinking that. I'm in a room full of social workers, tribunal members, okay, putting something in that drink, and I'm looking at the drink, and I'm thinking, okay. I thought, and if I go a little bit crazy, there she goes. Bang, grab. I yep. laughed. I was, I was actually... What frightened me is where they're going with this. And I sat back yeah. and I was on the table with three individuals from Singapore. And I had a bit of a discussion oh, wow. with them. And I thought, what are three individuals from Singapore doing here? Um, I yeah. thought, are they investing in our products? Because what they do, in effect, and I've worked at this level, so I do know, once they liquidate the estate, they cash up, they put the money into the common fund or the growth fund. Then what the investors do in the state trustees and all of, all of these companies is they invest in infrastructure, often overseas. So I naturally thought perhaps this was an investment um, uh, situation. They were, you know, so they were liquidating the estates and perhaps some of the public trustees were investing in overseas uh, infrastructure arrangements. It's very common. Anyway, so I'm watching these, these, these three and we're having a chat and they said, oh no, they're not there for that. They were there and, and, it, and it eventuated, they were there to actually, they're, they're attempting, the guardians in this country uh, and a lady by the name of the Aged Care Commissioner, Kay Patterson, who's an elderly woman herself, um, they're attempting to um, create a national registrar uh, to document all powers of attorney and wills. So they want this, na this national registrar that every will in the country, every power of attorney, you know, appears on this register. And apparently uh, Singapore have implemented this policy. Now, as an accountant, that's not going to stop elder abuse. It's only going to provide more information to the governments where your wills and your documents are kept. Anyone who's dealt with elder abuse, and I have dealt with it, and, um, and, and financial exploitation, they know fully well that a thief works very, very quickly. A power of attorney, uh, banking, they will steal your money. They will transfer your property. A national registrar will not stop this. A national registrar only identifies to the government where your wills are stored, what's in your will, and opening a will and opening your powers of attorney. So imagine, and also if you have these documents, so imagine if you don't have these documents, a social worker, you're easy picking. They say, no, no documents, we can target this person. I personally don't see the value in any registers whatsoever. Uh, it serves government well. It doesn't serve the, um, the abuser. Now, my question was, which wasn't answered, um, why don't they look at immediate means like I did? What I did in our case was when I thought our loved one was being targeted, I immediately placed the caveat on the assets and then took the matters to the tribunal. I would have taken it to a court if I'd known better, but I took it to a tribunal. Um, that 
stops the abuse immediately in its tracks and then you take some form of action. A national register, it reminds me of the 1940s when the Jews and everybody else had to, um, you know, sign their name up to a register. Why, do we go, why are they obsessed with these national registers to know what we own, where our assets are, where our wills are, and they don't address the immediate concerns, which is drugging, isolation, abuse by these institutions. Now, they were talking about elder abuse as if it was family violence. And that's another question yes. I raised. Yes. Why are these definitions being this propaganda, firstly, and these definitions narrowed down? Now, we have two definitions in Australia that are being talked about, elder abuse and coercive control, and they have been defined only as family violence. Well, when you look at the public guardians and the public trustees, they too coercively control and abuse victims. White-collar professionals do the same. Hospice, nursing homes, they're all, they can all abuse, staff can abuse, but they don't form part of that definition because the government doesn't want any charges against them. That's not part of the propaganda. So it's this selling of an idea, this propaganda arm that, oh, the family are evil, the kids are yeah. evil. I mean, one example that was used in the conference... Now, I have three sons, and according to one individual, apparently, it was actually, I think it was Kate Patterson who said, I can't remember who said it, actually. Um, you know, a child over the age of 18 or an adult child living with you and not paying their way is a form of elder abuse. Now, sorry, it's my home. I have three yeah. children. They can live here rent-free until the day I die. That's their my terms. That's my culture. That's not elder abuse. This is just a scam to kick out the family and charge the children money and ignoring informal arrangements that have been in place. Do you see it's all about creating a situation why they need to step in? They don't need to step in. And when they do need to step in, and there are cases, the only solution is uh, placing a guardianship order on the victim, not investigating, not charging anyone for a crime because that would create um, too much work. No, they're interested in the assets. They're interested in the assets and taking control of people. And that's all it's about. And they're, they're yes. ramping it up, Marty. They are ramping this, this propaganda, this rubbish up. It's very simple. If someone, anyone abuses a vulnerable person, throw it into a criminal court, throw it into a criminal court and charge them. But they don't do that, Marty. All these matters are steered into a civil tribunal in these secret hearings. Bang, they get the money. And this solution is we take over, we take over mum and dad and your kids. You know, the thing Terrible. is... It is such an obvious scam. I mean, no matter how you look at it, I've had people here yep. talking about being in the hospital, um, what to do if you go in the hospital. Uh, if you are forced to go into the hospital, like say you need surgery or you're sick or whatever else, make sure a family member stays with you. They have a right to do that. They can stay with you 24 hours a day. And if a social worker comes in, 
unrequested. In other words, they just show up and, you know, they. I thought you might want to just talk, and I've had this happen to me. And my response was, please leave the room. Well, I just wanted to see how you were doing, and it, no, I don't need your yep. services. Please leave the room. Now, the thing is, they are not there in most cases to help you or, you know, make sure everything goes well for you. They're collecting evidence. They're collecting information. Yep. And that's all. So if one is forced on you, uh, use your phone to record and just say, please leave the room. And I am recording our interaction here just in case you try to file a fake report, which we've caught them doing. They, can't, they don't even bother many times yep. to try and see the person. They will just simply say that they did and they interviewed them and this is what they said and none of it happened. But, of course, it's never questioned. And, um, but this is just a matter of self-protection. Uh, but you talked about them wanting this national database. I, that's simple enough. That it gives them a, an operation agenda. You know, it tells them who's got it, where is that, who they're going to have to fight to get it. And they've got everything all in place before they ever land the first blow. And it, this is tracking exactly. the wealth of the country. It's like here in the States. Ten years ago, the elderly owned 63% of all the real wealth in this country. The elderly, that's people over 60, they own 63%. As of last year, it is down to 21%. It has been, for the most part, stolen by these illegal guardianships and conservatorships. Um, I mean, bring up Britney Spears again. They took, what, how many millions of dollars from her over 13 years? Everybody was living large but her. And um, being forced to work, dragging her out onto stage to make that money, keep that money coming in. But this is this is why they do that. Uh, up in Minnesota, Chris, they had the Bar Association up there came out here about five years ago and said, we have determined that no power of attorney or other grant of power is legal unless it, it comes through the Bar Association. In other words, through an attorney. Well, when did you get to make the laws? Well, apparently they've been making them for a long time. But all of this is such a massive trap on so many levels, and you you really have to be skilled. You have to be prepared. Um, and I keep going back to this, the oh, idea yeah. that you were afraid in that room, afraid to even eat or drink because of how lethal these people are. And I'd have been afraid, too. <laughs> I would have, you know. Uh, I'd, have, I'd have been afraid. I'd have gone in there wearing steel side, armor. But, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, cause, I wasn't afraid you know. of them per se. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I wasn't afraid of them about. as individuals. Oh, I looked at them. Sorry, sorry. I, I, I was, was just going to say, sorry, it, I, I it was scary. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. But see, what they don't know about cause is they might have seen her as this little marshmallow and we can just bowl her <laughs> over. That woman's got fangs and claws, believe me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Marty's the nice one. Give him a cake, Cos. Yes, I'm Make nice him a cake, Cos. And... Just give him a cake. Give him yeah. a cake. Give him a nice cake. They pay me. <laughs> yeah. With a little fuse on top of it. Actually, I should have uh, ordered a cake. Yeah, there you go. Oh, and, uh, but, yeah, no, this is just no, so. Um, yeah. Uh, and then you see what Reverend <laughs> Ralph has gone through. And, you know, and these are all in different places. It isn't like it's happening in one place. And we can right. say, oh, this place, this is happening everywhere. 
everywhere. We are not safe in our own country. And it isn't some foreign terrorist that's going to come get us like the boogeyman. It's people in our own community that we have to be afraid of. Uh, these these yeah. predators, they yes. are predators, yes. and uh, they're being facilitated by other predators, and it just, I don't know, Ed Kaz talked I about mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that, that Judge Ott resigning, and he resigned three years early, but it because yeah. he had charges he brought against him, so if he resigns, before those go into like court, he gets to keep all his benefits, all his retirement, whatever perks he got, insurance, all mm-hmm, nine yards. Mm-hmm. He gets to keep all that. But if he gets prosecuted while he's in office, he loses all that. But either way, the taxpayers are going to pay for this. He's not. They're going to pay for the yeah. prosecution. They're going to pay any fines and restitution. They're going to pay any expenses involved in the 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 prosecution of this judge. He's not going to be on the hook for anything. Nothing is going to come out of his pocket. He's going to say, well, he said, I was, you know, a public official. And so, uh, you know, I can't, I don't have to pay for this. We see this all over the place. And we are paying for these people to be corrupt. And that's, I think, disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's scary. Uh, it's scary. Yeah. What I heard, what the Australian public or any of our listeners listening in or who do listen in eventually, because a, a lot of people sort of call in or, or listen in later on, what they need to be aware of is what I saw at the conference was, one, this delusional approach that there's no abuse going on in hospice or nursing homes. I was absolutely yeah. mortified by that, that alone because we know that is happening. We have had royal commissions. Um, Fortunately, the journalist who um, reported the abuses also is reporting on guardianship, which is excellent, excellent to hear. Um, Because guardianship and uh, aged care and hospice all tie in. It all ties in uh, with abuse. So there's this delusion that this is not happening, which is absolute rubbish. The other issue that I, I saw was they're targeting migrants, the ethnic community. Um, it was really, really upsetting to see how um, those who don't understand what they're signing or don't un- are unaware and have trust in their government and the institutions that we have, they are the, they are really the victims here. I think there's there's a more of a growing awareness with the Anglo-Saxon culture in Australia. They read. They're up to date. They're on the ABC. They know what's going on. I'm really concerned about our migrant community. So we're looking at that in terms of um, videos, translating them into 10 languages. So we're we're looking at that at the moment so we can capture that audience as well and warn them and, and tell their children what is actually happening. But what really concerned me was what, um, in the second day, it was called the Adult Safeguarding Unit. The Adult Safeguarding Unit is the legislation in South Australia, started in South Australia, and now it's um, now in New South Wales and uh, expanding in other states. And they can, this, is, this legislation allows the government to knock down, kick down your door, no due process. Anyone can report... Uh, you know, an allegation or make an allegation. 
So anyone can make an allegation. This adult safeguarding unit can knock on your door. They don't need a warrant. They have these excessive powers to investigate. And they don't take matters to a courtroom. They take them to the tribunal. Do you see what the next step is, Marty? Okay. And one of the panellists said the magic of this um, system is that they can act swiftly. Now, we know when the executive arm of government acts swiftly what that actually means. And that is really the concerning part that we are going to see this. It's already in effect, I mean, this legislation where based on a suspicion, an action can be taken against anyone in this country. And it doesn't have to be the elderly. It could be a child now. It can be, you know, any anyone. And they don't even have to be vulnerable, it would seem. So they're watering down all this legislation. And I think that actually frightened me the most. I mean, imagine now you don't get along with your neighbour and you just basically tell your neighbour to leave me alone and, you know, that's very common. And he calls the adult safeguard unit on you and makes a false allegation that, you know, your partner or child's abusing you and you're thrown into a tribunal. We're talking about a tribunal that can ignore evidence, act in any way they see fit, and you're, you know, you're limited to a question of law on an appeal. I mean, this is horrific. And all of these checks and balances are being removed, all of them, and allowing the government to cherry-pick whom they want. No, it's not acceptable. It's not correct. It is not the rule of law. It is the rule of statute. It's the rule of rubbish, as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. This is 1940s policy. I don't care if it offends certain groups that I say it. It's true. The executive arm of government is out of control here, and the legislative arm. And it is time that our judicial arm step to the plate and say, hey, we've been hijacked. Because in the past, you would expect the judiciary say, no, this is not acceptable. There's a check and balance here. So what have our governments done? They've created these tribunals to bypass the judiciary, to bypass the rule of law, to bypass a pre-trial and, and, and affidavits and evidence, to bypass all of that because it's snatch and grab, Marty. It's a snatch yeah. and grab policy. Okay? Yep. And it's not mm-hmm. acceptable in a democracy. It's not acceptable in Australia. It's not acceptable in the United States. What the hell is, excuse my French, what the hell is going on here? And when yeah. did this, when did this, this, this you know, this uh, violence, because it is violence. It is abuse. Yes. I mean, when, when, you, when you look at, we met up, we went to Tasmania. We met up with many members of Ansgar. They were screaming for a while. They wanted us to come down. They were, Tasmania's far away. Like, not far away, but it's the corner of Australia. And, you know, these, these vulnerable people in Tasmania are being really targeted, and it's a really close-knit, sort of almost collusive little group down there. And I find the smaller the counties, the smaller the, the, smaller the network, the more abusive guardianship is. And that's what we've noticed. So these small little states have the go-to people that's really close-knit, they all know each other, and they really run this racket really well. So we went down there, and 
there were a few couples who left. They said, we can't hear anymore, Chris. We can't hear anymore. I'm sorry. You know, where's the happy ending? Where's the, where's the yeah. you know, the light at the end of the tunnel? And I told one, one gentleman, this is not a Walt Disney production. This is violent. There is no, if you're targeted, there is no, you know, prince that's going to come and save you or, or a queen right. or, you know, someone on a horse. This really is violent. And yes. even if you plan everything, even if you prepare your powers of attorney or your wills or you have trusts in place, they are reversing everything under your name. They usurp your identity in Australia. They take over your name and they use your identity to reverse yes. everything yes. that you have put in place. Same that's thing the, here. That's the reality. That's, no one gets it. Well, it's the same thing here. They do this. This is what happens. I keep telling people probate is supposed to become active only upon presentation of a death certificate. When you are dragged into probate and you're still alive, they immediately guardianize you, which is a civil death. That is the de facto death certificate. You you just yeah. don't exist anymore. And they move from there. Uh, this, everything is given over to this guardian. The, how these people, like I say, I don't know how you... you operate on a daily basis with no conscience and no sense of character, integrity, nothing, and, and circulate in your community. I, I don't know how you do that. Um, but these people, absolutely, they're not normal. They're not normal human beings. But this is what, what happens to people here too, Chris. They strip everything. It's called legal capacity. They take their name from them, their identity, and they can't even use their own name anymore. And then the second thing they take from them is their legal agency, which is their right to conduct their own business and pay bills and do all of that stuff. And it's supposedly now it's all done by the guardian. Now, the trick to this is the guardian seldom makes the house payments, pays the taxes, or does the other things that need to be done. And when yes. they get sued or otherwise confronted about this, they immediately revert to that guardianized person. And say, well, you're going to have to talk to them. Well, you've got control of the money. Well, yeah, but I don't know anything about this. And blah, 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 blah. And it, it just, I, I don't get it. Like I say, this is happening right under, just as it is there in Australia, under the nose of government on all levels. And we see these bills coming out here. Reverend Ralph brought one out at the beginning of the show there in Pennsylvania. And these are what I call fluff and buff bills. Enough ruckus has been raised that they feel like they have to do something. So they come out with a bill yes. that sounds like it's going to yes. do something, and it does yeah. absolutely nothing. It is pages and pages many times of worthless <laughs> conversation. There is nothing in there. This It isn't going to do anything. It isn't going to change anything. And it's, you know, the wherefore thou's and if and when's and does. And, you know, and it's just legalese is all it is. And it's... Uh, people are is just absolutely. Is there usually a glory hog? Is there usually a glory hog attached to some fluff and buff bill? That yes, seems like, there you know, sure is. Yes, there sure is. And they'll be out promoting them, and uh, and they always come out with this thing of when I have confronted some of them, one in particular, about this is a do nothing bill. Well, I'll take what I can get. Well, as I said, you got nothing. Are you happy with that? Well, mm -hmm. well, at least they paid attention. Paid attention to what? 
it swatted you like a fly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it just – and there's the idea that, you know, you can go speak to a senator, you can go speak to a representative. How many times have we done this? And nothing comes of it. Nothing comes of it. They always – in fact, when you bring up what you're talking about, they look like somebody gut shot them. Uh, they, they don't want to talk. Uh, why they're in a big hurry and they've got a meeting and uh, could you make it quick and uh, uh, well uh, uh, you know and uh, oh yeah I'm going to look into this no you're not no you're not I think one of the worst ones yeah. is, is Bob Casey um, there in I think Pennsylvania yeah. he's been around for decades I think and I remember him from Tracy Miller who has passed away uh, who was fighting tooth and nail for her brother. And she went to Bob Casey, I don't know how many times, absolutely worthless, and still is. How that man has stayed in office, he is a do-nothing, uh, talk crap, BSer, and yet he stays in office. I think that's one of those cases of voter fraud we ought to look into, because I just don't know how this man keeps getting reelected. Why he passed the FBI, what was it? According to shenanigans, he blocked the FBI investigation somehow, probably because then he didn't want the bundlers to not give him votes. In my yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And it, mm-hmm. But it's something because, like I say, this guy just does nothing. And I know Tracy, I spent many hours on the phone with her, just absolutely beside it's herself in tears many times. Why won't he yeah. help me? Why won't he help me? Because he isn't there to help you, you know. That's not that man's purpose for being there. It isn't the state or anything else. It's what he can get for himself. And whatever he has to do, he'll do it. If he has to sell you and your kids to get what he wants, that's what he's going to do. But he is not going to help you. He's not going to intervene for you or anything. And the worst part of it is we got too many politicians across the country exactly like him. And... But gone are the days where they can say, well, I never heard of such a thing. Well, nobody told me this. Maybe it's an isolated incident. No, it isn't. And I'm not the first one who contacted no. you. How could you sit there and say that? Well, well, I'm going to look no. into this, and I'll call you. Well, I'll sit right here by the phone. And, of course, that call never comes. And if you call the back, oh, I, I, I'm sure he's looking into it. I'm just as sure he isn't. But go ahead. And, uh, but we've got, we've got no protection there. And we've got no representation there. And you ask why are they doing this? What made them, that database you were talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, say the the wealth being held by the elderly. On the other hand, mm-hmm. they are also the ones collecting Social Security. Now, Social Security would have exactly. stayed, uh, you know, uh, funded for seventy five years if they'd have left it alone. But they started back during uh, the Johnson administration, tapping it the surplus in it to fund the Vietnam War. And as we've moved up through mm-hmm. history, um, every president has tapped that fund for anything and everything. Here about three, four years ago, people were screaming, oh, it's going broke. It's a Ponzi scheme. And the government had to fund a billion and a half dollars uh, to keep it. No, that was to fund child support recovery through the Social Security Administration. They administer it, but they are not the owner of that program. They simply administer it. But that is to buy access into the state, and that's what exactly what that money is for, to implement federal plans. The money was not borrowed to keep Social Security solvent, but they want you to believe that it is because if they keep raiding it like they're doing, it will be broke. 
and um, mm. they, you know, they've got no way to pay it back and never tended to pay it back. And in fact, it's it's accrued so much interest on the money that's been stolen that it can't conceivably be paid back. But they could at least make no. an effort. Um, but see, now instead of since we can't pay you back and we never intended to, and you're all getting old and you're here to collect on this investment that you've been invested in for the last 30, 40, or 50 years out of your paychecks, uh, I think it'd just be better if we offed you, got rid of you. And after all, you got this nice house, so in comes the predators. Yeah, in comes the predators, and they facilitate everything. And Yeah, and the the payoff is they get to steal the estate. Now, coming right behind that, we've got a couple of representatives who now are saying it's not right for children to inherit wealth from their parents. Mm -hmm. What do you mean it's not right? Why isn't it? They didn't earn that. Well, so what? What's your point? And, uh, well, that ought to just revert back to the state. Uh Uh-huh. I see. And um, But, you know, it's like I've told you on so many other shows, people think they own their home, their property. No, you don't. Even if you paid off the mortgage. No, you don't. It says right on there, IRS has first rights to your property in perpetuity. And it also says you are a tenant on that land, not the owner. A tenant, in essence, a renter. And try not paying your property tax for four years, even after the mortgage is paid off. They'll come and take that property right away from you and auction it off. You don't own squat. It used to be we had something called a lodial property rights. Once you paid for it, it was yours free and clear. We don't have that anymore. And um, But this is all a game over assets and debt. But the debt is owed by the government. And the assets are coveted by the predators. So, you know, we're marked. <laughs> we're marked for for death. I, I want to hear. I got another message here about. Um, uh, I'm sorry. What'd you say? It is wealth transfer. That's that's all this is. I mean, it's my money. What I have, Marty, is my yeah. money. And it's yeah. and, and I, my husband and I want our money. To go to our children. I don't care who they yes. are, what they do, who they marry. It's mine. And right. to be able to remove my powers of attorney, to be able to ignore my trust, to ignore my relationships with my, you know, my husband and my children, I find, and I'm sure many, many would find offensive and absolutely outrageous. And what really what really was apparent to me is we don't only have that problem now in Australia, we have legislation that's being slipped in into the Guardianship Act where they can test on you, medically use you as a guinea pig for research, okay? Mm. And so it's not just about, and I agree with you, it's not just about the wealth. I think first they started and thought, this is a really great business. We can make money off the vulnerable. No one cares about the elderly. And and I think that's why they were able to get away with it to some extent because the victim eventually dies within a few years, the family are exhausted, and they just suffer. They, 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 they turn inwards and they don't do anything, right? Right. So, and then next victim, next victim, and next victim. 
But now in Australia, they've decided, oh, we have a growing dependence on social services. Mm-hmm. You know, these young, vulnerable, disabled children and their parents are tapping into hospitals, ambulance, public housing, medical uh, allowances. We have these these benefits. And, and then multiply that figure by the hundreds of thousands of Australians that are tapping into these services. Our federal government and our state government, they don't like that money. Okay, And when you start Mm -hmm. to look at the money, and that's what you look at, you always look at the money, the cost that they... I mean, they take over your whole life, right? So they take over everything. In Victoria, for instance, we have issues with hospitals at the moment. The cost is skyrocketing, skyrocketing ambulance, public housing, public aged care, public transport, mental health clinics, education, legal aid, you know, home care, travel concessions, community programs, on and on and on. And then everyone can tap into that. But if you're a guardian and you lock somebody up, and this is what we this is what we started to see. We started to receive phone calls from mothers, particularly of young adult disabled children, or young adults, I should say, not children, but obviously turning 18 and, and over. And they were contacting us and around the age of 18, 20, an anonymous application was made to the guardianship board and a guardian, a public guardian, placed over the, you know, the, the young adult. And false allegations against the mother that they were abusing their children, Munchausen's proxy, da-da-da-da, right? And mother's really, really upset and why are they doing this, Christine? Why are they doing this? Because your son or your daughter is a cost. They generate no income. They generate no benefit to the state. They are deemed a cost, as, as, as bluntly as I could say. And, I don't, and for me, they're wonderful human beings. I don't care if someone's disabled or not. But the state looks at money. And the federal government looks at money. When you look at the federal government, pensions paid to that mother, a carer's pension, a disability pension, allowances, NDIS scheme, utility concessions, concession cards, pharmaceutical, rental assistance, funding to the states, Medicare costs, all of these costs that that one person generates, then multiply it by probably millions, then you start to see that our federal government is trying to reduce, and the state, their costs. These yes. vulnerable, disabled people are seen as a cost, and they don't pay taxes. They don't earn any money. Get it? So when they start to see why, why they're targeting your children, I tell people, do not go anywhere near NDIS if you can. If you can. Claim your pension as a carer. Look after your child. Do not go on. It's a spotter service. I cannot tell you how many times, Marty, NDIS provider steps in, a false allegation or a misunderstanding or a, you know, a contrived fight or what have you, throws the family into a tribunal and most often a public guardian is appointed. Why? Because that public guardian is going to lock up your son or your daughter in a room in an age, in a, not an aged care facility, what we call group homes 
or SILs or SDAs. They lock them away. They deny them any access to state services. They deny them the benefit. They isolate the young person from the family. So the abuse is all behind closed doors and there's no witnesses. The, the NDIS providers, which I call them the guards, are ha you know, happily funded by the federal government. The federal government is happy about this because, as we know, Marty, vulnerable people can live long, long lives, decades, but in institutions denied and neglected, they don't live long. Who benefits from the death of these young disabled adults early on? Who benefits? I spoke to one lady yeah. with whom we assisted and she was removed from a group home in Victoria. And I spoke to her. We call her Jay. And I said, Jay, tell me your life in that group home. She was freezing to death. They denied her blankets. They fed her fast food. They did not look after her teeth. Okay? The NDIS funding of $300,000 $299,000 was paid to the provider to keep her in that facility, okay? And she was being ignored. Her sister begged me, said, Chris, you've got to get my sister out. We got her out, okay? And then she told me she was neglected. What happens when you're neglected? You die, Marty. You yes, die. yes. How many people are being neglected in these facilities? And the mothers yep. have been denied. We've got another lady in, um, in, in Adelaide. Lovely lady, Tricia. I saw her son. Her son, when we were in Adelaide, ran up to her, hugged his mum. The love he has for his mother, okay, is, is unquestionable. Why this woman has to seek lawyers to get, and, and, and there's reason, and she, has a, she needs a reason to, you know, a, a change in circumstance to remove the, the, you know, the public guardian. Why does a mother need the state's approval just because she's divorced from her ex-husband? Right. And we're seeing this more and more. We're seeing the guardians, they love divorce. They absolutely love yes. couples that, that are divorced. So what if you're divorced from your ex-husband? Why should the state take over looking after your young adult son or daughter that's disabled? Because the state doesn't want them around. And they make right. money. And the other trick, the other thing, that, the other concerning issue we're seeing, and I saw this in Queensland and I'm seeing it more and more, people who need guardianship, who need the mother to step in or the father, they're being denied guardianship. We have a case in Queensland, where, in Sandra's case, and she was denied the right to be the guardian and her husband and the stepfather denied the right to be guardian of their son. Now, their son, I believe, is a victim of trauma-based bonding. We saw it, Marty. You know, the, yeah. the, the NDIS providers huddled around him. You know, the lawyer coming in requesting that Christine is gagged. Why Christine should be gagged from these proceedings, I don't know. Uh, using um, Section 109, you know, obviously realising we really can't stop, you know, this going out to the media, but what we can do is use confidentiality clauses to not name the providers. So there's no story. They kill the story. So they're, they're quite smart. But what was concerning about that case, a provisional psychologist's report was accepted. Now, this young gentleman, 
had a long-standing qualified doctor and psychologist stating that this young man needed a guardian. He tested in the lowest percentage of IQ. The guardians found um, found another um, um, a provisional psychologist who redacted his name. So he redacted his name. We don't know who this person is. He won't tell us who he is. We don't even know if this psychologist exists. That was accepted by the tribunal. That was accepted oh, wow. as a capacity test. No guardian, no administration order. Now, why? You'd say, you know, that's a good thing, Chris. No, it's not. There are people that need guardianship. Families are being denied that. These providers, in effect, become their new friends. They groom them. This is cult. This is a cult tactic that they're using. They groom them. They isolate them. They put the love of fear into these people, this siege that if you leave us, if you leave us, we're going to get you. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And even in the report, they made it clear that if this young man was to ever leave their services, all of a sudden they're going to apply for guardianship. Now, why would you do that? Because they have this game stitched up. They either play the game when you've got capacity and remove your rights or when you lose capacity, they don't do any order. So the state steps back and absolves itself from any responsibility. We had a case here in in South Australia a few years back, Anne-Marie Smith. No guardian in South Australia. So Anne Gale, the public guardian, nowhere to be found. These NDIS providers whom one has been jailed, apparently, the low-hanging fruit we call Marty, was jailed, left this woman in a cane chair for a year, sitting in her feces, sitting in her feces. Her skin merged with the chair, okay? This woman died neglected. Where was the guardian? She needed a guardian. She needed someone. She had no family. Her parents had died. No one around her. Isolated. Okay? And she died. Why isn't anyone in the government in South Australia accountable for this? Oh, because she had no guardian. She needed a guardian. Now, I saw, actually, at this conference, I actually bumped into that guardian that was there, and I just looked at her, and I was just thinking of Anna Marie I was thinking of Doreen Laurent. I was thinking of all these people, all these cases that we know. And I just sat there and I thought, how do they sleep? How do how many of these public guardians or administrators or these tribunals sleep at night knowing that they make an order handing over or not handing over this power to these people? And we know what they're doing. And we're on the right side of history here, Cos. Marty, Reverend Ralph, we are on the right side of history. One day, Mm -hmm. people will say, how did this happen? How was this allowed to happen? They are abusing people. People are dying. They're Mm -hmm. being neglected. They're being drugged, raped, okay, murdered, denied fluids. Oh, I'm sorry. I I get so upset that this is actually happening. And then you attend a conference which is nice and has the biscuits and, 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 and the food I couldn't eat and everything else. And, and you're looking and you're thinking, and yet people under your care at this minute, this moment, are starving, are being denied fluids under your care. I, I really, I just, 
went outside at one stage, took a breather, calmed down, went back in, and, um, you know, you just shake your head. And, and I think Reverend Ralph mentioned about hospice and aged care. We have the same situation here with actually St Basil's where one of the, one of the and it was quoted in the paper, one of the um, managers, you know, this to show you the neglect that sometimes allegedly can happen. They were serving party pies, apparently, and little sausage rolls for dinner, no salad. And, and you know, the Greek community, they love their salads and their foods and what have you. And uh, one of the guys, uh, one of the resident's sons, he said that the manager told him, quote, at least it's not dog food. They're used to it because they used to work in factories. Now, oh my God. these are managers allegedly looking after our vulnerable people. Now, that was quoted in the paper. Um, and I say allegedly because it was quoted. It's an allegation that was made. Now, that's quite, quite concerning that we're being isolated. We're having no input into our loved ones. We have no input into um, the care of our family. And it's by design. It's not an accident. One case, two case, you could say, yes, yeah, an accident. This is by design, Marty. Um, uh-huh. You know, I call it a soft eugenics program. I don't even, I don't even know if it's soft anymore. It, it, it really is a eugenics program targeting our most vulnerable. It is a holocaust on our vulnerable. Um, yeah. it, is, it is targeting vulnerable people. It is targeting the age. It is targeting young disabled adults. It's targeting and, and, and people with capacity, it would appear. If you have capacity but you have money, don't think you're all safe because yeah. I have seen many and supported many with capacity the ability to put even those with a disability, um, physical disability, and then they're clouding that. When, when you see legislation, you know, the best interests, for example, in Tasmania, um, they're swapping that um, the definition best interest, and they're now saying in need of a guardian, or in need of care, or necessary in the circumstances. Now, who actually interprets that? Who defines that? Who makes that judgment? Another section in the legislation appropriate in the circumstances. Again, who determines? What's appropriate? Well, of course, the tribunal does. And if you stack the tribunal with government appointees who nudge, nudge, wink, wink, know how they should make a determination, we're, in, we're you know, you know, if the fix is in. The fix is in. This is a racket. This is violence. This is abuse. This is criminal. It defies every moral law and every criminal act in this state and in this country and yet it's happening every day and a vulnerable person or their family should have the right to advocate for their loved ones and not be treated like a nothing. When I see orders that, you know, for example, you know, mothers have no standing in a proceeding. Mothers and fathers have no standing in proceedings regarding their children or husbands and wives have no standing regarding their you know, spouses, or children have no standing regarding their parents, they should all be jailed, the lot of them, the lot of them. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and that's the thing, too. Um, 
like here, someone has asked, what's the difference between a constitutional attorney and just your regular run-of-the-mill attorney? A constitutional attorney looks at it from the aspect of what aspect of the Constitution has been violated, what has been, you know, broken. And they proceed from there, and they use law and um, court orders and rulings to substantiate the charges they're levying. In other words, this is where they argue from from the law, the common law, which runs in coordination with the Constitution in most areas. A regular attorney will look at code, statute, regulations, and ignore the law. And it's it's like two different sets of legal practice. But, of course, you have administrative law, which is what they'll argue from, the regular attorney. And you have contract law. And you have the international law of contracts. You have the common law. You have constitutional law. So you have to figure out what what area you're operating from. And it's always best to get a constitutional attorney. Uh, they will put up a fight most times, and but I, you know, can't yeah. say that a hundred percent. But that's the basic difference. They don't pay attention to statute and code and regulation. It's what is the law? What does the Constitution say? Were your rights violated? And in what way? Uh, you're supposed to be saving your person, property, and effects. Of course, guardianship skips all of that. And uh, you're not safe. In fact, your life is being threatened. And uh, but this is this is just status quo here now. But the point is, they want rid of us. They want rid of anybody who's 60 or over. Some people think it's as low as 50. They want rid of us. We're, we're here to collect on our investment in Social Security. Uh, many people need medical care. They don't want to pay for that, but they're obligated to. And because you've been kicking into Medicare, too, for your working lifetime. And, you know, the thing is, I've told people, I paid into both these programs as a single parent, whether I wanted to or not. I had no choice. Never mind if my kids went without. They they took the money out of my check. And for to hear especially Republicans coming out now how they want to get rid of Social Security. If you think they're not going to kick this guardianship thing up into high gear, because they're going to steal as much personal assets as they can as they pick us off one by yep. one. And um, they have, what you have to understand, this isn't happening in just one place. It's happening all over the country. In every city and county, it's happening. And it, it's one of the most predatory practices I've ever seen. It is, is corrupt to the core. And like I say, we have, you can't even get a politician here, Chris, to talk about this. And then you talk, they can't can't be bothered with this. And, um, oh, I'm sure you misunderstood something. But when they take your mom, you come and tell me again. And, um, Mm -hmm. but it's just, I don't know. And the killing in hospice, that, you talk about a band of merry murderers. Yeah. 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 And they get get 29,000 in some per bed per month. And if they can turn that bed over two or three times in a month, they get paid 29000 each time. So guess who's headed out the door? And um, yep. I just, it used to be the Good Samaritan outfit. Everybody adored hospice, and now it's the Grim Reaper. And they're killing thousands of people every year. And I guess the yep. money from the cub is, is all that they're interested in. Lord, I don't know. Cos, what are your thoughts? 
Um, the person who asked the question just said thank you. They hope that there's some certain people that were listening and they didn't think all attorneys were educated about that. And so they asked that question and they thank you for answering it. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Marty. Well, that's, that's what I think. Yeah, I think Reverend, Reverend Ralph probably would have some good insight on that because I know that he had to hire various attorneys. Uh, in Montgomery County. Is he still on? Yeah, I'm still here. I think so. Yeah, Reverend Ralph, you did some, you had to do some different uh, attorney interviews. What did you notice the difference between what was called a constitutional attorney and then a regular attorney? Didn't you run into something like that? No, uh, it was basically, uh, and again, it's not something I've really ever thought about, but I should be looking into constitutional attorneys because uh, the current guardians of this loved person have denied her or denied him. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm still getting over COVID. Uh, oh. They've denied a phone in the room. They're trying to deny visits to this loved person. So basically, they're denying this person the right of freedom of speech and also the freedom of uh freedom of speech, and also freedom of expression. And basically this person is being kept in isolation in a sensory-deprived environment because the person doesn't have anybody to talk to uh, while the person's there. So it's basically like you've said, excuse me again, it's basically as you've described it, uh, the faster these people die, the more money they make. And as far as nursing homes, 39% 39% of all the people that die of COVID die at nursing homes. And this nursing yes. home this nursing home where this person is now, they've had three outbreaks of COVID, one outbreak of influenza, and they always have a regular number of people who have COVID there. So it's basically because of the very unsanitary conditions at this nursing home that these older people are not as sanitary as they were when they were younger, and they're just passing it on to one person to another person. It's like a ring. It's like a circle. Marty, I have another. Yeah. I have another listener's question. If a guardian, tells, if a guardian tells family that they can't visit family, but don't get a restraining order. Might it be okay for family to get to their loved ones to tell them the truth of what is happening? I think that's interesting. Yeah, and, they don't yeah. didn't get a restraining order. Yeah, they can't arbitrarily order that. It's not the law. The other thing is, if they're in a nursing home and that nursing home takes any form of federal funding, which they do, um, they get you know through Medicare, they get funding. They cannot prohibit uh, isolation in many homes have a big sign up in the hallway of what the visitor rights are, the patient rights are, and, but you'll have mm-hmm. the people from the nursing home say, get out, we're calling the police. Um, you, you can't, the guardian said you can't visit or we don't want you here, whatever. You have a right to be there. It's just how far into the battle do you want to go. And, Marty, um, this is yeah. Reverend Ralph. Yeah, you just brought up a very, very good point. Yeah, at this nursing home there is that bill of rights, but – the problem is, is the fact that when they hear the word guardian, when you start telling them your story and you say, well, this person has a guardian, boy, do you see them run. They, they are so afraid yep. of getting yep. sued. 
it's like, oh, well, then the, it's a legal matter. You have to take it up with the courts and all. No, you're talking about human rights, the fact that mm-hmm. these people are being slowly tortured because they're being deprived and isolated yeah. uh, in an environment that they're losing the ability to do daily activities or to even remember how to make sentences. So, yeah, mm-hmm. this is something where uh, I've been fighting it. And, again, it, I come up with these stone walls where they say, oh, Guardian, oh, well, we don't want to get involved. But I do think well, that this, this listener has a what? point. Why are restraining orders not being filed? Yeah. yeah but because they've become so blatant with this that they don't feel like they have to. The threat from the Guardian and the attorneys against the nursing home, that, you know, they can – cause them some trouble but the other thing is here too the nursing home um, may have a personal interest in preventing you from coming in and seeing the conditions a person is living in or the lack of care that they're receiving not receiving marty this is reverend ralph once again you brought up an excellent point right inside the doors of this nursing home and next week i'm going to name it if i don't get action on certain things Right inside the door of this nursing home, there's a sign that says, no pictures, no videotape. Well, I don't care about that. I am going to document evidence because that proves the conditions. And if they're right. going to try to scare me off by saying, without that, without that evidence, they can say, oh, well, you imagined it. You never saw it. Yeah. No picture, pictures cannot be denied. And I even have a right. picture of a dead mouse that was underneath this person's bed, and it took the director Ooh. a week to take it away. So they can't, oh they can't lie about what was under the bed or the torn and tattered bedspreads that are in this person's room at $90,000 a year. Now, oh that's God. pretty pathetic. You could, I could put this person at the Hilton for half that amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah, yeah, that cover your ass uh, thing, too, because it, usually when they're adamant and they're supporting that guardian, is because they themselves have a lot to hide. Yeah, they don't that's right. They're exposing them, because not only could you go after the guardian, you could go after them for unsanitary conditions, yep. for abuse and neglect, all sorts of things. And then, of now course, there's lawyers, an the books. Yeah, go ahead. There are lawyers that sue nursing homes, but... I have found them to be extremely lazy. It's like they want somebody mm-hmm. that slipped and fell and broke a hip and then they died or something like that. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're lazy. Lawyers are lazy. You know, if they can't push a piece of paper around and file a paper, and now they can do it by uh, email, they don't even have to go to the mm-hmm. courthouse to file papers. They just file them electronically. They're just so lazy. It's like I don't know why they even bothered going to college and law school. Well, most of them don't don't know anything about the law anyway. That's true. It is. That's true. And, and, you know, that's another thing in this, too. I've seen this from the medical association and from the bar associations. Their anger at people accessing the law, researching the law, and using it to defend themselves. And they shouldn't do that. And... At the bar associate, and you're you're practicing law without a license. So are you, sweetie? You don't have any such license. You have a bar union dues card. I don't want to be in your union. Um, but they don't want to say, actually, 
And I know that there is a push to remove a lot of that information from the Internet. Uh, it's like when they first opened up the Internet, one of the things they did was through the U.S. government, they put all this stuff online, all these documents and everything else. And they felt pretty smug in doing it because, as one senator said, uh, the people are too lazy. They're not going to go look at this stuff, but we can always say it was there. It's your fault if you didn't look. It became the most traveled area of the net, still is today. So people, they don't want people, and many times, <coughs> excuse me, people have educated themselves to the point they can argue down some of these shoddy lawyers. They don't like that either. And, um, and they don't particularly like you showing up in court with a better law education than the the opponent or the judge and um, mm-hmm. you know and that happens a lot the people have really studied this stuff and put it together and then and that's another sick part of this you see where out of ignorance you went along with things that were never the law to begin with you didn't know any better but people know better now and these people get called out constantly about misrepresentation and the frauds that they perpetrate in the courtrooms and like I say, it's just uh, you need to get, as the person asked earlier, a constitutional attorney, one who is leaning on the Constitution and the law, the actual law, and not these arbitrary codes, statutes, and regulations. Um, it's just like probate judges. They run by statute, and they'll say, according to this statute, according to that statute, that's not the law. Well, it is in this courtroom. This isn't a courtroom. And you're not a judge. And so, you know, you you run into this stuff hating yourself. It's really hard to defeat someone who's educated. And every little bit you learn, every little thing that comes your way, save it because it's going to become very important to you more likely. But we've just got, I'm I'm telling you, we've got about four minutes left here, maybe five. Um, Ralph, you got any last words? Yes, uh, on my website, uh, protectmyparents.us, we were talking earlier about people's rights of doing with their property what they want. And in Pennsylvania, the Rosengarten case was a case decided by the Superior Court of Pennsylvania about 15 years ago. And it basically said even if a person was judged incapacitated, they still have the right to decide what to do with their property. So that could be something mm-hmm. people in Pennsylvania could use if they're trying to yes. uh, override a guardian as far as selling the house or selling mm-hmm. something else. Well, and like I said, guardianship is supposed to end specifically upon death, not to go any further. But we've seen like out in Arizona where they said, well, we're going to go back 12 years or three years or seven years. And um, we think they were incapacitated then, so we're going to avoid all of this and move on. Okay, and um, but it is, and what gets me about this too is here these actual courts of law don't say a word, and they're running these these tribunals up under like the Supreme Court uh, here in Georgia. They've been they tagging them, link them somehow to be under the control of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has nothing to do with them. They have nothing to do with them, but they're trying to legitimize them. Because it has been brought out and exposed so many times that these things are a crock. They're not supposed to exist in this country to begin with. And so they're trying to legitimize them and provide cover for them. Um, Chris, do you have any last words? Um, A disability um, 
anyone with a disability can be targeted and, and that's really, I think the only time you really need a guardianship is when you're, and, and family should step in, is when your reasoning is impaired. If your toe hurts mm-hmm. or your back hurts or you have uh, a, sh- a little bit of a short-term memory problem it do- and it doesn't affect your judgment, why do you need a guardian and, a, and an administrator? The only time you yeah. need one is when you decline in that mental functioning capacity and you're behaving in a way that does not reflect your core values, that has changed, that has impaired your reasoning. That's it. They are picking up people, people all over because they, they, they don't no longer walk, they can't talk properly, um, they have a slight memory impairment, you know, garbage. It's yeah. like they're just passing out lollies. So the definition of disability and guardianship really needs to be defined, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Before anything over a person. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, Kazi, what's I, from you? I think, I think the biggest takeaway for me is what I learned yesterday, that if the person, ward, person they're trying to put into guardianship is not asked, what do you want? We have fraud, abuse, and waste happening it's wrong and the fact when i look back at what was done to harvey he was never asked what do you want and i think that's the biggest that's the biggest key if someone's petitioning for guardianship and they're not asking what does this person actually want you know like i think of what did betty hayes actually want no one ever asked her just you know, what did Harvey actually want? No one ever asked him. What does the special, you know, the very special loved one of Reverend Ralph actually want? These attorneys and guardians, they don't even ask her. They don't ask Mm-mm. the special loved one what they want. And right there, I think that's the biggest flag that I took away from yesterday. Wow. I don't know. This has been a tremendous show, and I want to thank all of you for being here. And uh, it just... This has got to end. Somewhere, somehow, it's got to end. And I think we have exposed enough of it that I think, Oz, Chris, you were both right to be scared <laughs> going into those meetings. Um, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I do. Because uh, you don't, these people are capable of anything. And, um, and they've shown us that they are. So mm-hmm. and we all need to be careful. And you need, as far as advocates and advocacy goes, you need to have a line of, of contacts so that it's constantly in touch with you, knows where you are, knows you're okay. So in case you get snatched, the whole community can come mm. up in your defense. And uh, mm-hmm. but I think it needs to be done. We're down to the last 90 seconds here. I want to thank Shenanigans in Montgomery County, PA for sponsoring us for the shows and also Marcel Reed with Whistleblower Life and the Summit and we do these shows in coordination with her we will be back probably Monday night I got a bunch of stuff cooking but um, I want to thank you Chris especially for taking time out I know you should be in bed sleeping and <laughs> yeah, for taking time out to be with us and yeah, Reverend Ralph you. I'm glad you're back and feeling better thank you but, thank you all right yeah, and cause thank you guys. You just thank keep you smiling and talking sweet, and uh, take them by surprise. They don't know your little vampire there. They don't know. And <laughs> anyway, everybody, uh, thanks for participating tonight. 
And thank you to everyone who tuned in. We had a nice-sized crowd, and we will talk to you next week. Good night, everyone. Good night.